Welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett and I'm your host. Peter Baggio is a veteran general manager of Broadway and other theater shows, a Tony Award voter, as well as a producer of special events at locations such as Carnegie Hall, Alice Tully Hall, and Symphony Space in New York City. He wrote the book, Broadway General Manager, demystifying the most important and least understood role in show business, before writing his latest book, A Dog's Life, a collection of humorous tributes celebrating man's best friend. The latter is a testament to the amazing and full lives of dogs, while at the same time inevitably showcasing the impact those dogs made on their human companions. There's even one about Peter's late Scottish Terrier, Bilbo, whose own written piece kick-started the project to begin with. Peter, welcome to Dog Save the People. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really thrilled to have you. How are you doing today? Just great, and I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. So I am so charmed by your work. We're specifically going to talk about your book. We'll get to that, but I, I just wanted to ask you where you grew up and if you had any dogs growing up. Oh, well, the answer is yes. Um, I grew up in Terrytown, New York, a suburb of New York City. Yep. I grew up with a succession of Scottish Terriers, all of whom were named Toby. And we didn't even bother to say like Toby one, Toby two, just one died and we got another one. I love all dogs, but I really developed an extra special love for Scottish Terriers. Late in life, I decided that I needed to try to be a little bit more eccentric. So I decided to collect Scottish Terrier, as I call them, objet, <laughs> Scottish Terrier objects. So yep. our house up here in the Hudson Valley, to my wife's sometimes despair, is it's it's kind of a joke. I mean, there's not a room in our house you can go into without at least one and often several Scottish Terrier items. I mean, we sleep on Scottish Terrier sheets. <laughs> my wife has Scottish Terrier pajamas and slippers. We have salt and pepper shakers, doorstops, vases, vintage reproduction, black and white scotch ads in the bathroom. One of my prized possessions is a Scottish Terrier weather vane I had specially made for the top of our barn. The weather vane ultimately was a memorial to uh, my last beloved Scotty Bilbo, who actually was the genesis for this book. We had him for 10 years as a big part of our lives. Tell me a little bit about Bilbo. Bilbo was a classic Scotty. He was loyal and loving and very stubborn, at times infuriatingly stubborn, but that's, you know, true to his nature. Right. He passed three and a half years ago. Okay. Yeah. My wife and I were just bereft. I mean, we both loved Bilbo so much and we knew we had to put him down and she couldn't stand. I'm going to cry. She couldn't stand to be in the room. Yeah. I, I couldn't stand not to be in the room. Yeah. I couldn't bear the thought of him passing without me there. Oh boy. My Scotty died and I, yeah, I wanted to pay him tribute. I had never intended to write a book. I just needed to write about Bilbo. Originally I ended his obituary kind of with a joke that he leaves behind his father, Peter, his mother, Anna, his brother, Jamie, and a slew of tennis balls. Cause I talked about how he was crazy about chasing tennis balls. And it was kind of a, you know, nice, funny ending. 
But as I sort of lived with it and sat with it and gave it more thought, I thought, you know, I think you're really avoiding the emotional truth of that loss, which was very painful and which thinking about makes me feel very vulnerable. But I went back and I added a line that was very meaningful to me after he leaves behind all these people in a slew of tennis balls. And I added the line and a hole as wide and deep as the Grand Canyon, Yeah, which, which was the truth for me. And it was hard to write that line and share that with the world. And yet I think anyone who's ever loved and lost a dog will totally get it. Oh yeah. It's a beautiful love letter. And I think we do. And I love in your introduction or in your preface to your book, Peter, because you're talking about the loss of of Bilbo and how this all kind of started happening. But I have this quote from the beginning of your book that says, laughter through tears is a wonderful form of catharsis, a fine way to begin the healing process. And, And I imagine that, again, writing this obituary, it helped you heal. I think so. You know, it, it's such a painful experience Yes, that humor was my way of kind of tempering it. I posted it on Facebook to share with friends who knew him, and I got this really amazing response, and I was really encouraged to write a book. I read about 10 of the uh, obits, and they were so amazing. Oh, thank you. So beautiful and hilarious, and I just, I love the whole tone of it. It's such a wonderful collection. All the obituaries are of real dogs, most of whom I hadn't met. It was kind of a privilege to get to yes. dogs and, and to try to honor them. The book is called A Dog's Life because it really is a celebration of the lives of these dogs, even though the tributes are in the form of obituaries. I, I don't want people to get the wrong idea that this is a deeply depressing or morose book. No, not at all. And it's very funny and incredibly charming. And I just think that it's a wonderful way to engage with the people who have lost their pets and gives them a, a new framework to kind of frame their their grief. And uh, what a wonderful gift. Thank you. Can you walk me through some of your favorite, uh, if you have any favorite uh, stories of, of some of the dogs that you covered in your book? Well, it's going to be hard because, you know, you fall in love with all your subjects. They're all your children. Right. When the project changed from just writing about my dog to trying to write a book, obviously I had to write about lots of other people's dogs. And I was shameless in my pursuit of great subject matter. I mean, wherever I went, I let people know I was working on this book and I needed more subjects. And, you know, I told people during dog walks and standing online at the grocery store. And I got one great a bit from a poor woman who was trapped on an airplane next to me for two hours <laughs> on a flight between London and Florence. And I got a great story from her. I developed a kind of comprehensive questionnaire to try to get to know and to understand and to get inside the head of somebody else's dog. Pretty much everything I write about the dogs is based in fact, but It is a book of humor, and so there are times when you have to exaggerate or take something to an extreme course to make a point. I mean, one owner, he made one comment about his beloved dog died just a few weeks short of his bark mitzvah. (laughs) So I thought, oh, I get it. This is an Upper East Side Jewish dog. And so, you know, that, that flavored the whole obituary. At the end, when he passes, I said, the family will be sitting Shiva. Oh, it's great. 
I mean, some of the stories were amazing, but I had to try to make each obituary a little bit different from the others. Each one has to be somewhat unique or you'd just be saying the same things over and over. Most people say, my dog gave me unconditional love. My dog would go crazy when I came home from work. Uh, My dog was, you know, a chow hound. So there were certain things that are almost universal. And my challenge in writing about these 23 dogs was, was to find variety. In particular, I needed to find a kind of different way to end each obituary. So I was, I was writing about one friend's dog, and I realized that I had not yet worked the famous Hartsdale Pet Cemetery into the book. And a little while later, I was working on another dog's obituary. And my habit was that when I finished writing the obituary, I would always send it to the owner and say, well, here's what I've come up with initially. You know, are you happy? Do you feel I've captured your dog accurately? Is there anything you object to? Does reading this jog your memory of something that you may have neglected to tell me, but you'd still like to? And in this case, uh, the husband of this couple said, oh, we love the obituary. You've, you've captured Oliver perfectly. We're so thrilled. But there is something actually that I, I realized maybe I should mention to you. You probably gathered through our numerous conversations that um, my wife Faye and I were absolutely crazy about Oliver and were a little compulsive and we didn't have any children and Oliver was like our child and he hated to be left alone, which I wrote about. It was it was very funny. They were so concerned about leaving their dog alone that they pretty much only went out on Wednesdays when their cleaning lady Maritza came in and, and then they could <laughs> rush around doing their errands. Cause I wouldn't be alone. but he said, so, you know, he hated to be alone. So in our wills, we have stipulated that when we die, we are to be interred next to him in his plot at the Hartsdale pet cemetery. <laughs> and I thought, Oh my God, I could never have invented that. Right. Oh, that's brilliant. I went back for the 65th anniversary concert of my college acapella group. I was not a founding member, so I've not been a member for 65 years. Right. The group has been in existence for 65 years. And during a break in rehearsals, I was chatting with a, a colleague who had sung in the chorus during the same years I had. And he said, what are you doing? And I told him, and he said, like, Oh, you should write about my last dog. He was really bad. And like my ears just pricked up. And I said, really? I don't have a really bad dog. Tell me, tell me all about him. This is great. I need a bad dog. And his dog was hilarious. So that's how I ended the book. And the other line in the book that is very personal to me and really came out of losing my dog, I used there this dog, one of his many irritating idiosyncrasies was that he like barked constantly, you know, at any provocation when he was happy, when he was nervous, right. <laughs> when he was alone, when there were people around, he just barked all the time yeah. barked in the middle of yeah. the night. He woke the family up. So then finally, when I come to the end, the dog has passed away. I say something like, although an easy act to follow Tigger will still be missed. There is a terrible stillness that settles on a house when a dog has died more deafening than any barking. Oh, 
Oh, I, <clears throat> that actually, it's so beautiful because I, one of my dogs, you probably heard him through the interview, Hug, yes. loves to bark. And sometimes I'm like, oh my God, I'm on my, you know, I'm on my last nerve with this. But I always try to remember that I won't always get to hear that bark. Now, what did I know that you were you got tons of information about the dogs that had passed, but what did you learn about their their owners, the people that were left behind? How much they loved their dog, regardless of whether it was an easy dog or a really difficult yeah. dog. Love is love, love is blind. Yes. And that relationship between a human and a dog, there are a lot of really beneficial things that can be translated to a relationship with another human being. You know, you have to be responsible for their well-being. You know, their needs have to take precedence over your needs. And that's a very positive thing for any human being. They constantly remind you to be appreciative. A beautiful sunny day or, I don't know, just taking joy in in being alive. Yeah. In, in things that aren't necessarily tangible or material. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about Dickens and how he came into your life. We waited six months before we got another dog. And I, mm-hmm. I finally realized that I didn't think we were ever going to begin to heal our sorrow until we had a new dog to give love to. Yeah. So I sat down and I wrote a letter to Bilbo telling him what we were thinking and basically wanting to feel that he would give us his blessing. You know, who can explain these things? But by the time I did it, I really, I felt he understood. He was encouraging us Mm -hmm. and and it was, it was okay. He didn't want us to never have another dog. Yeah. What a great exercise. It was a great exercise. Really wanted to have another dog. And I, I'd never done this before. I went on the internet to the American Kennel Club and discovered that they recommended breeders of different breeds. So I looked up Scottish Terriers because, as I've said, I'm passionate about that breed. I love all dogs, but... And you couldn't actually, you could not have actually switched breeds anyway because you have so much, so many objects in your house, too. Right. Another dog might have taken offense, you know, (laughs) dachshund being surrounded by Scotty Belia. (laughs) And and so I found a, a breeder who was not too far... And she said, oh, yeah, I, I, I am expecting uh, that I'll have a litter at some point in the spring, but I would like to meet you and your wife. So you say you pass fairly close by on your way upstate. Why don't you drop by sometime? I said, great. And, and she said, oh, and, and I'll just mention that I you know, had a litter a while ago, and there is, there is one puppy that still hasn't been assigned a home. So, of course, yeah. we stopped by. There is this unbelievably adorable Scotty puppy. My heart melts instantly. Yeah. (laughs) I look at my wife. She says, you have to take the early and the late walks. I said, okay, okay. (laughs) In the dead of winter, there I am at like 6 a.m. in an overcoat in my pajamas outside, dark, freezing cold saying, you know, okay, make a pee-pee for daddy, pee-pee for daddy. Good boy. (laughs) But, you know, some of the most beautiful moments we've had have been those early morning yes. outings. And, you know, I wouldn't have seen the sunrise otherwise, let me tell you. <laughs> I'm glad. Those are those are special things. And you can always go back to bed if you're really tired. No, it's, <laughs> it's very true. I mean, my dogs get me up anywhere from 4 to 6 a.m. And I wouldn't be up otherwise at 
But I have to say, like, my last walk um, that I do with one of my dogs, uh, Hug, the Bernese Mountain Dog, especially upstate, it's just, it's so beautiful and it's so peaceful and it's a great way to kind of round out the, you know, the end of the day. Yeah, wind down and, yeah, I agree. And with that, I have to celebrate my three dogs who are staring at me because it's D-I-N-N-E-R time here at the Bartlett house. So, Peter, it's been such a pleasure and uh, I wish you the, the best luck with this book. I think it's, I mean, I'm seeing many more in different ways, but again, you'll just have to wait for your muse to kind of inspire you like Bilbo did. And what a great legacy for him. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks so much. I'm so pleased to speak to you about this. Now, where can we find your book? The book is called, again, A Dog's Life. It's available everywhere. It's available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and the book's website, www.adogslifebook.com. Thank you, Peter. It's been a real joy speaking with you. I love talking to Peter and hearing about how important his dog Bilbo was to him. You could tell how close their bond was and how hard his death was as well. But at the same time, Peter found a gift and a light from that in the form of writing his book. And I love that these were technically obituaries, but they were so funny, so comedic and lighthearted in such a positive, beautiful way. And now he has Dickens in his life, who is a new source of cheer and inspiration. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is a production of As It Should Be, a content studio. It is made with the support of executive producer Scott Benaglio and our producer and editor Jack Summer. Special thanks to our composer and neighbor Daniel Lampert for creating the music for the show. You can subscribe to Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review or rating. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram at Dog Save the People, Facebook at Dog Save the People Podcast, and Twitter at Dog Save the PPL. We have a new gift shop on the DogSaveThePeople.com website with our first line of show merchandise that includes super soft t-shirts. We are also happy to say that the shirts from the Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, my foundation, have also been added to the DogSaveThePeople.com gift shop. Profits from these t-shirts will be going to support independent rescues and shelters. If you have any questions or submissions, you can reach out to us on our website or on social media or email us at dogsavethepeople at gmail.com. New episodes come out every other Tuesday, so see you next week for another episode from Dog Save the People. Music